you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at DaveDamashek.NFL.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck. You know my rule here in Studio 66, no jive talk. And I'm not going to jive you. Yes, we have the greatest duo of title games that I can remember, at least on paper. But I feel the whole thing in my heart is bittersweet because I can't ignore the fact that this is the last anything close to a decent Sunday that we have. The Super Bowl is a show, and there's going to be Bruno Mars and 50-year-old Chili Peppers may who may or may not be wearing clothes. That's a show, and it's something unto itself. This is our last football weekend proper. It makes me sad. I do want to mention, though, in between the title games and the Super Bowl, of course, is the Pro Bowl. And leading up to that on NFL Network, next Tuesday, the 21st, a one-hour show with Chris Rose starting at 8 o'clock Eastern. And then the next show on the 22nd, a three-hour extravaganza. It's the big, uh, you know, the big draft them up you know, Dion versus Jerry Rice. Uh, and they're going to be drafting teams, just like we used to do out on the uh, out in the schoolyard, just like the NHL fellas do it in their All Star game as well. So be on the lookout for that. That also 8 p.m. Eastern, and uh, that's Dion and Jerry Rice picking pretty much the entire group. They're their two respective teams, and so that'll be fun to see how that shakes out. But all right, listen, let's talk about these two aforementioned title games right now with my main man seated to my immediate right from NFL.com and NFL Network. It's Adam Rank. What's the poop, fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. What a pleasure. I feel pretty good about my 2013 Shecky Award winner for Best Sports Weekend 
being the NFL title game. That did break just right, huh? That did. That was perfect. I It was foresight into knowing that those were going to be the matchups most and, likely. And I would have been wrong because what I said, I said, I'll take divisional round over right. championship weekend anytime. But those four games, while obviously important, weren't the juiciest court. There wasn't the juiciest court that the wild card games were much better. Yeah, there was an, uh, it was an opposite from the previous year where I think that was the case where the divisional oh, round yeah, games right. were a little bit better. But yeah, with the... If you looked over the last weekend, I think by the time that Legarrette Blunt broke that huge runoff against the uh, against the Colts, there the I already people, forget who they beat. Pe- yeah. pe- people, well, I was already blacking out, and then <laughs> kind of snoozed through the 49ers game, which we predicted was going to be a blowout, and certainly was. Well, I guess it was closer than maybe that's the, score the one I had a sense of. Yeah, and, and yet I was the furthest away from the final score on that one. I came within, I came really scarily close by my standards immodestly i really did come really close to the final scores on the first three games Uh, not just the winner but into the actual final score in fact i think i got the which i got one game on the nose i think you nailed one it was the um it was the wasn't the second game i think it was the 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 first game game of the day what was the first no it wasn't the broncos seahawks I think that's the sc- I can't Seahawks. Who, who knows? Who cares? That's Whoever in they the rearview mirror. But by the way, you mentioned last year's playoffs, and I want to mention that I caught up with a couple of guys that were key members of that 2012 playoffs. Roddy White of the Atlanta Falcons, Terrell Suggs of the world champion Baltimore Ravens. I caught up with them earlier today. Kibitzed about all of it, about Ray Lewis's dancing here and there and everywhere before the game, what role it played in things, whether or not he actually dislikes Tom Brady or if that's a put-on, what it means, all the pressure of the play, all of it. We covered it all in our latest uh, edition, our latest segment of Inside Out, where I throw the fan suppositions at the guys actually in the locker room and they tell us whether they're true or not. So be on the lookout for that on NFL.com slash Shaq, but also we'll play a portion of that for you coming up here. Right now, let's say hello to the guy who is seated directly across from me here in Studio 66. We last spoke with him two weeks ago. I don't think we missed him last week. But anyway, at NFL.com, always he's doing the power rankings. He's doing his picks. He's sticking with them through the postseason here. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop with you? Well, I did miss last week, and I think it's because I got wasted by uh, Hank in the uh, best uh, guest what was the the Shecky? Oh, you were down the, and out. You couldn't pull uh, it together. For yeah, that. you felt you know, sad for yourself. I, I felt good about how I did against my other opponents, but from what I heard, handsome just. Well, in the Shecky Award, me. we did the best recurring guest, and we do it by player and non-player. And AJ Hawk won for best recurring guest as a player, but for our usual analysts or pals or whatever we call them, some people there's a fair amount of controversy. A lot of people didn't like Handsome Hank's inclusion in that. They feel like he's more a part of the core group. I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly right. Either way, yeah, you did nicely. Uh, Mark Sessler of Around the League came in last place. <laughs> that's the thing and it's like the pro bowl thing imagine these guys are are much decorated fellas at the highest level of pro football but somebody in this little Dion jerry rice pickup game thing is gonna get picked last what and do you guys but i just i'm curious what both of y'all think about this you know we haven't really we just got done with fantasy season mm-hmm. and then we go straight into wild card weekend and all this stuff what do you guys think of this whole pro bowl thing like are you excited about it do you think it's cool are you just glad they're doing something to tweak it what do you think 
Well, listen, I didn't like it in its uh, in its former state. It was a it had become a ridiculous show. Obviously, I would rather watch and I'm not joking when I say I'd rather watch the superstars competition. Just get all the players out there and do sort of like what the NBA does. Have them sprint. See who does the best 40 times. See who can bench press the most. I'd rather watch that than watch guys uh, basically have a scrimmage against a defense that's going half speed. I do think that. I, you know, maybe I'm too optimistic, but I do feel like that these guys, and when you talk to players, the one thing they do have is respect for not just their peers, but for the guys that are just retired, the guy, you know, the guys that are real luminaries. The current players love Deion Sanders. They have great respect for Jerry Rice. And I do think they'll have a hard time. Maybe they won't, but I, I, I feel like at least some of them will, will have a little bit of dignity and respect for those. Guys. I mean, you think Deion Sanders is going to say, I, I'm not, listen, no jive, fellas. I want you to try on defense. Is Darrell Reeves going to say, no, I'm not going to? Really? Like one of those? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We'll you, see. If one of those players said, if Deion said, I want you to go try on defense, I'd be like, you never did. That's a good touche. Really? Touche. What's, what's Dion's response here, to that? Good here comes point. Cleveland Gary. I'm going to lay on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, a fair point. You know what I always say. I'd rather them. I'd rather the two worst teams be playing on that off week. I'd rather it, it, you play the loser bowl, like I've said. The first overall draft pick, the second overall draft pick, two teams, they play one another. The winner of that game gets the first overall pick. Now we got stakes. Now you're now you're fighting for something. It would be a wonderful TV event. Everyone would gather around the tube to look at it. Listen, people who say who would care about watching the two worst teams. First of all, as I say, we only at that point have one football game left, which is the Super Bowl. So of course you're you, you know, listen, you you need the methadone to come down from uh, <laughs> from, from 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 the spike, you know, that you've been on all season long. So one, you'd watch it for that reason. And two, as you know, go to NFL.com right now. Our pals Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks have their mock drafts up. And listen, that is sports nerd porn. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory way unless uh, I'm making fun of myself because, man, I eat that up. I love watching. I love reading mock drafts and thinking yeah. how it's going to go and so on and so forth. That would be my solution. EH, what do you think? You, you think? I mean, I think it'll be fun to watch. the The thing that'll be neat is the watching the actual draft. Yeah. I don't know if the game is as interesting as the as the draft is. Yeah, I no, I I think it's pretty cool, and I'm glad they did something to tweak it. I, I do want to add to your example about Dion laying on the ground. So Cleveland Gary would have jumped over him and then kicked right. the ball out of his ha- own hands because Cleveland Gary could not hold on to the football <laughs> to save his life. Uh, but but I like it. I like the idea. I like the strategy of it. And uh, I would love it if Dion went all secondary. I would. I'd love it because the Pro Bowl has such a reputation for being such an offensive game. You're not going to take a pass rusher. Well, that's, what, why that's take the a running thing. back? Take a, take a corner. It's funny. Well, Rank is right that maybe you could throw that back in Dion's face. But, yeah, if you're a cornerback, then the guy, the gold standard – well, I mean, we can argue about that. I know that we have the three of us have talked about Rod Woodson or Mel Blunt or a couple other names and who you'd most want. We talked have. about it with Rod, right? But Deion Sanders is in the is in the top three or five cover corners ever, Absolutely, and, and so sure. if he says, "I want you guys to try," you know, what, 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 Patrick Peterson's going to be like, "Yeah, who are you, old man?" He's not going to do that. He's going to wear twenty one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're, they're, they they love him, I'm sure, and want to and want to impress him if not anybody else in the on the face of the earth they're going to want to uh please their coach all right what if some cornerback showed up in number 37 for Deion sanders like yeah <laughs> former ravens cornerback 
<laughs> They're the why, right are you, age. why are you running yeah. this team? <laughs> you, I remember watching you oh. play. You really were not that good. Could yeah. you imagine like somebody like the Honey Badger who's that young being like, I'm sorry, you played for a team other than the Ravens? I don't recall that at all. <laughs> that is a funny thing. A lot of guys, a lot of professional athletes don't care as much. I always say there's an inverse relationship between – uh, how how good you are at the sport and how much you're interested in watching other people do it. You know, I am not a great, uh, you know, I'm not a professional athlete, although I was for 11 glorious right. years in the NFL. But those aside, I, you know, I, I love it. I love watching all sports. But I think a lot of professional athletes don't care much about history, about the history of their right. game. Well, it's like you. It, w- it would be interesting to see just how bad it is to, to <laughs> quiz like, do you know who Troy Aikman is? Do you? Do you know Joe Montana? Because I guarantee you, there that, that would be a, a funny thing to unearth. Although what? it wouldn't look good for the league, but it would be funny if, if uh, you know, whoever, if uh, Ryan Tannehill has no idea who Joe Montana is. If all the guys think that Jerry Rice's number was nineteen, the number he wore with the Broncos. <laughs> right. right. What about? But you know, you talk about the guys who are professional. You know, don't like to watch their sport. I think it's similar to the way that you don't like to watch people play Connect Four. That's yeah, that's true. Because I, mean, I get can... I get a, I get a taste, and I want to get into it. Yeah, and I I retired from co- competitive for many years ago, and at the uh, top of your game. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I had nothing left to prove. Why continue? <laughs> why? What? Because you know what? The sport of Connect Four has done so much for me. To me, to continue doing it is disrespectful. And I'm not going to be one of these, like a prize fighter who keeps getting back into the ring to his own detriment, to his own legacy, and his own physical well-being. I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to fall into that I always thought the toughest Connect Four strategy to defend or the best way to win was to be on the second level and then start a diagonal stream. So to start the the bottom of the the diagonal stream on the second level because people they're only looking for you to go diagonal when you start from the bottom up. Well, you know all I saying? can tell you is let me just tell you I got my kids uh, their first um, their first Connect Four board and they both not surprisingly but it did make my my heart sore. They both have the gift because I've said <laughs> I've said this before. You can learn, you can learn, mm-hmm. but you can watch someone's first game of four and you can tell if they have it or not you now you can Im- you can improve no that's one oh, of those okay. things i'm not gonna what am i gonna yell at them when i i wanted to see what they had and and instantaneously they got it they got the vision it's so now tough. it's about now it's about now it's about are they willing to put in the work you know yeah. it's like johnny football he's got the gifts is he willing to pay the price well, just it's like- one of those things too it's like if you're bronco nagurski's kid and you're not very good at football. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a tough one. But now it seems like your kids are following in the tradition I of want the Manning them, family. I want them to be – I've told them, and I'll, I'll tell you, I want them to be happy. I'm not going to push them into uh, being competitive four players. If that's their passion, so be it. Are you going to send them to Jay Novacek's Connect Four camp? I'm not going to make any hard no? and fast decisions right <laughs> okay. now. That's, okay. what, that's what I'm trying to say. All right, let's talk about the playoff games. These, uh, these dandy two and, of course, the story that everybody has seized upon, myself included – Old school on one side, new school on the other. There's actually a new piece coming up, I think, later in the week. Depends on when you're listening to this. A new reality check where I sort of break that down. And I know, that I, I you know, on, on Monday's podcast this week, Chris Wessling and Handsome Hank and I kibitzed about this. And I, I think Handsome Hank thinks I'm getting a little hyperbolic to make a point. I don't think 60 minutes of the Super Bowl, if Colin Kaepernick or Russell Wilson defeat whichever guy comes out of the AFC side, I say... 
that, you know, this we're at the crossroads with quarterbacks here now, mm-hmm. you know, at that position. I think that if maybe not if the Niners win this year, but let's say Cap gets it this year and some combination of Andrew Luck and Cam and and RG3. What if they win the next one? What if, what if two years in a row you have the so-called new age, the, the mobile QB um, under center there? Don't you think? When you look at people, say, handsome said, "I think you're getting. You're, I don't think you're there ever not be a call for for a, a tall, strong-armed quarterback who can stand in the pocket." Well, yeah, listen, you know, nobody ever thought that there wouldn't be fullbacks in on every football team, and there was never a notion that you wouldn't have head-on kickers and all those things go the way. You know, as a matter of fact, Vince Lombardi begat. Chuck Knoll, both of whom love ground and pound, but then Bill Walsh came along and pass first became the way. So Mm -hmm. this idea that things won't change because you haven't seen it yet, I think that the prevailing way to play the position could be determined over this year and next. And in fact, really, maybe Flacco and Eli have delayed that because people more, here comes Johnny Football, you know, Blake Bortles out of Central Florida, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Marcus Mariota next year. Mm -hmm. I think that is the kind of quarterback. EH, how say you? Well, I think what's going on in the league right now is certainly conducive to it. Number one, coaches have very short lifespans in the league. We've seen coaches get fired after one year or two years. So you want to win now. And you can win now with an athletic quarterback because the defense, especially one that when they run like zone read and stuff, because the defense is forced to play 11 on 11. You know, that guy is, is a threat. Secondly, if you're trying to win now, you're not as worried about your guy getting hurt and that was always the concern with the quarterbacks that ran a lot it's like oh yeah you can do that for a little while but you know come year three or four they're going to learn they can't do that anymore well how much is a coach going to care if his job is on the line you know and then the win now mentality an interesting i I don't know that teams are as patient to wait uh you know six seven years for a quarterback to develop yeah And and with the lack of practice time that these offensive lines seem to be getting worse and if quarterbacks can't create their own separation in the pocket, forget if they're able to run like Randall Cunningham and gain a thousand yards a season. Just being able to escape pressure is going to be a huge thing, which is why a guy like Johnny Manziel is going to come in and have an immediate impact. Because no matter how well the the Browns line plays, Manziel is going to be able to stretch plays just with his legs. Well, you see it. I mean, you see it all the time with Ben Roethlisberger. You need quarterbacks who are like that, and these guys who are statues. There's going to be no use for them, just like the way that they don't draft running backs in the first round anymore. That's a, well, two, both of you with uh, with great points on that. So, all right. So now let's jump and uh, talk about that game. It makes sense, even though it's the second game. We're talking about that kind of quarterback. Who do you got? To me, I'll say this: Should we a black tie behind the glass? Let's do it as the red challenge flag segment. Let's go out. This is our. I probably our last red challenge flag segment of the 2013 slash 14 season. This is when we make our picks hit it black time. Red challenge flag picks. All right, fellas. Yes, I'm going to ask one of you for your pick. The other will have the opportunity to throw the red challenge flag and disagree. Let me just say in advance to me, think about if this game were on a neutral site, if it were in candlestick, the world would pick San Francisco. I think If it were on a neutral site, I think 90% of people would pick the Niners. The only reason that I hear anybody taking the Seahawks right now is because of the, and it's for real, the home field advantage, but I think that's the reason everybody's picking them. And while I think over the course of a, 
of you know 17 regular season weeks and then into the postseason we get swept up i think i think it's the product of having worked here now for a few years in in talking about football every week during the season when you stand back, you don't shoot your mouth off week after week. React to what you just saw. Then you get swept up in it. There gets to be a certain momentum. And Jay Cutler really looks good. How good does he look? Really, really good. He might. They might win the division. Look out for that Bears team. And by the by, the time they kick off next, the Bears are a legitimate threat for the Super Bowl. And there's ebb and flow to the season. But I do buy. You know, I think like everybody. The idea of peaking at the right time, and I don't know if it's some something mystical with the Niners. Rather, practically, they just happen to get healthy at the right time. Crabtree coming back and so on, and Alden Smith getting back up to speed. That makes them the team that is playing the best right now. And in the same way, the Seahawks do not look like their best right now. So, that my pick is clear. I, I am going to take the Niners here, although I do respect that home field and what the 12th man can do. Rank, I give it to you. NFC Champion 2013, 49ers, Seahawks, bitter rivals. Who you got? I got the San Francisco 49ers, and one of the Ah. reasons you just touched on is when Michael Crabtree came back, Colin Kaepernick started playing a lot better. And to me, when you look at the two quarterbacks, very good. Colin Kaepernick's good. Russell Wilson's good. But look who their receivers are. Yes. Kaepernick has three legitimate receiving threats with Crabtree and Quan Bolden, who plays his best in the postseason. Well, yeah, I guess you could say Vernon Davis plays his best in the postseason, too. And you compare them to the playmakers that the Seahawks have. Percy Harvin's been battling injuries. He's not practicing on Wednesday. Golden Tate's fine. Doug Baldwin, he's okay. But these guys aren't Pro Bowl caliber type guys, guys who are going to turn the game around. So I give San Francisco a huge advantage there. And I also give San Francisco the advantage in the coaching department, too. And because I watched both mm. of these guys partic- you know, go ahead, go head-to-head in the Pac-10, and Pete Carroll had superior talent with all those SC teams. Jim Harbaugh, hamstrung by the recruiting restrictions at Stanford, was able to just – pound Pete Carroll seemingly every year. So now when I look at these two coaches on the sides, I'm like looking, I'm like, I want to be on Jim Harbaugh's side because I, I mean, feel he's got the definite advantage. Dig, dig what Jim Harbaugh has the potential to do. NFC title game first year, Super Bowl loser the second, win in his third year. That's a pretty impressive three-year run, especially if he can take down Belichick head-to-head. If he does, right. or if he, listen, if he beats Manning, head to, takes down Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, either way, it's going to be hard to argue against Jim Harbaugh. All right, EH, here we go now. Your pick. Are you going to throw the flag or agree? I'm going to throw the flag at our host uh, because he's ruining the NFL.com picks column uh, hours before it's supposed to be released. So you're totally... uh, Ah, people won't start. Who knows when people are going to listen to this podcast? Maybe they're listening to it Sunday morning as they they get their brain ready. You know, maybe they're standing in a parking lot in Seattle or Denver right now listening. I think this is how superfan Neil Dutton pregames. He listens to it Saturday night in... Great Britain, which or wait, am I getting the times wrong? He's in Liverpool, I think. Yeah, is he one of our fans? Yeah, yeah. He, well, he would listen. Yeah, no, no. You're right. You're right. It would be Saturday. It'd be Saturday night for us. Yes, Sunday morning something. for him. Yeah, yeah. I know. You I'm gonna it. get it wrong. All right, make your pick because I have a question. Eh, I yeah. do have a, a something I really uh, do. Well, ask I reserve about the, the right to change my mind by the time that I release my article. All right, because I have gone back and forth. But right now, I am pocketing that red flag, and I am 
agreeing with uh, our colleague over here, Adam Rank. Boo! Uh, I want sorry. disagreement. I never disagree. Uh, no, you I, don't. I, sorry. I agree with everything you're saying, and I'm just like to add one thing, too. So you talked about Bolden having the great postseason. What made Bolden's postseason so great last year was that Flacco could throw the ball to him when he was covered. Mm-hmm. I mean, those catches that he made, there's a guy right on him. He does not care. He, he meets the ball. He positions his body. Crabtree does the same thing. He attacks the football. What is Seattle's secondary known for? Having blanket coverage, being all over you, being feisty. I just don't see that bothering Crabtree and Bolden and Vernon Davis the way that it would Miles Austin, Des Bryant, and Jason Witten, for example. Give me, and without the quarterback, because that's too easy, what is the X factor to you then? Because to me, and I always will say this to, to, uh, uh, to the point of being annoying, it's one of my go-to things with the Niners. Vernon Davis is the, is, is the most underappreciated tight end in the NFL, and I have to add him to one of the five most underrated guys in the NFL. It's always been Gronkowski. Who do you, you like, Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham? Why is Vernon? I, well, I guess the numbers take him out of it, but in January, he's productive. He has yet to really have a big one, though. Oh, he's 0 for 2 in these 49ers wins in terms of personal numbers. I think he breaks out. He's the X factor because, like you say, though that secondary can be brutal. Earl Thomas will be looking at him. But I think Vernon Davis is going to sneak behind them once and get one. EH, who's your X factor in this one? Well, I, I definitely like Vernon Davis as an X factor, so I agree with you. But I'm going to go with the Seahawks NASCAR package. Their, their defensive rotation that they use, they get a little bit different pass rushers in there to go after the quarterback, and that's so important. When you're facing a guy like Kaepernick and you've played, what, 20 weeks of football, defensive linemen's legs are tired, man. You, do, you don't want to be chasing guys like Russell Wilson and Kaepernick all day. I love the way the Seahawks rotate their linemen, and that's going to be huge because that run that Kaepernick had against Green Bay is why, why they're here. That one that he got on the edge mm-hmm. uh, late in the wild card, mm-hmm. fresh legs can prevent something like that. Yeah, it's Very true. reminiscent of the Cowboys of the 90s, the way they would rotate guys like Tony Casillas, Chad Henney. Wait, is that right? No, Chad Henning. Chad Henning, Chad Henning uh, uh, Jim, Jim Jeffcoat Jeff was a backup, and their starters were Haley and Tolbert. Russell Maryland. And Russell Maryland. Russell Maryland. They, had they, had Leon, had, they had Leon Lett Leon as well. Led. They yeah. just had all these defensive linemen. Like and every they time. had Jimmy Jones. He scored a touchdown in the, in the Super Bowl. They had eight guys, eight legitimate guys, and they would bring in four new guys. Uh, I mean, come on. Jeffcoat had over ten sacks as a complete backup. Um, was it Tony Tolbert? No, he was later. He was. No, you're right. No, Tolbert started on Tony Tolbert, yeah. Number 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he he started. He Here's good. my question. Right? Here's What's my that? question. I, I, that yeah, I want to. I want to figure this out. Let's I, as scientifically. It's got. It can't be scientific. It's uh, purely based on our respective anecdotes and our interactions. I suppose uh, primarily through social media. But you've, you know, we're worldly fellows. We've been around the block. We've met fans from all over these uh, United States. What of the four? Who do you for the fans? Remove whatever else. What fan base deserves it the most? Who would you like to see win it? The Niners fans are easy to dismiss because they've had a lot of uh, uh, a lot to celebrate over the years, and so have the. Pay- I guess the easy answer is Seattle, huh? Because they don't have a ring. They're the twelfth man and everything, but but they have a chip on their shoulder as a result. They they, they love to, they uh, love to stir it up online like uh, mm-hmm. like few other fan bases. Mm-hmm. They really do, and that's one of the things. Like for all that I like to talk and run down the Forty ers and make fun of their guys and talk about how painful it was rooting against the Forty ers in the eighties and the nineties. 
Their fans are pretty cool. To, I never, I, I seemingly never get bludgeoned by a 49ers fan who will come. Like, I cannot even, like, last week it was the Panthers fans who were all upset with mm-hmm. me. But Seahawks fans, if you say anything wrong, they come after you. You don't have to say anything wrong. They get angry at you. You don't, oh, you said you like the Niners. You don't respect us. It has nothing to do with a lack of respect. I literally retweeted our pal Ross uh, Tucker had a great, uh, had a great little number Dig this. You know how people love to hold up when people, Lakers wonks like yourself, Rank, like to say the Lakers are the best organization in professional sports. And the reason they cite is the the, the percentage of times that they visit the conference finals and the finals is, is off the charts. How about this number? I don't know how I didn't know these numbers specifically. Did you know Brady has played in two-thirds of the title games available to him during the, his career. That's a remarkable number, and you can give the credit to Belichick or whoever else you want, but the QB's pulling the trigger. That's an amazing stat. And if he wins this Sunday, he'll have played in half of the available Super Bowls to him during his career. I retweet that. The guy retweets me, me and Ross Tucker with the hashtag Peyton Haters. That has nothing to do <laughs> Sometimes I feel like maybe it isn't me. Maybe it is other people deciding to put whatever story that, they want on it. And that almost makes me want to root for the Patriots. Now, it's hard for me to root for Boston sports franchises, but I was pulling for the Patriots back in 2001, and I've almost swung all the way back around to where it's like, yeah, I do kind of want to see Brady get this because I feel – we talk, you talk about – Jim Harbaugh's amazing run in the first three years of his of his coaching career in the NFL, and like he will be challenging to be one of the greatest coaches of all time as long as he continues on this clip. But Bill Belichick's teams, I know, it's are crazy. in the playoffs every the one year they don't make it, it's because Tom Brady's injured, and yet they still go eleven and five with Matt Castle. Like you cannot tell. It me. is remarkable, and there will be a time for this, this discussion. But when this is done, because I declared. And you know me, like Jerry Orbach at the end of Dirty Dancing, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. I declared one year ago, this is officially the end of the Patriots era. This 21st century, Brady and Belichick, always, I thought somebody might come up and get them in the East, maybe, but I thought they would they would be one and done maybe in the playoffs. Here they are once again, though. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing it again. And you'll be saying the same next year. Because here's, I don't. I. I right, it's it's so easy to say Kool-Aid. they're done. They're done again. I, I'm tempted. That Kool-Aid. Do you know why you be saying again this year, next year? Because they're in a weak division, guys. In weak division, not that great a conference. They're a good team, but let's not act like the like the past of this all time great. I agree with that. That's, that's that. The, the, hold on. That's a that's a clear Patriots hater right there. It's not. No, they're <laughs> a good team. But imagine if they were at the very least, maybe in the AFC North. Yeah, I agree with that point. I think the thing that has benefited, and this, I know oh, you, you hate the Patriots and you hate the Broncos, but the thing that has benefited Brady and Manning with those, it, it, it at least deserves acknowledgement is that they both have benefited from being in lousy divisions for the entirety of their respective careers. Yeah, they have not been in, I I almost said NFC East, but that hasn't exactly been gangbusters the last couple years, but you get the point. Uh, EH. But even in those divisions, you get tricky matchups, though. Like, what what the Pats have had to deal with the last couple of years, I don't know. I I feel like even the Cowboys have the up and downs, even the Redskins have the hot streak last year, the Giants, I mean, come on. All right, I hear. But he's getting you. to the conference title games. It's not like they're going one and done like somebody in the uh, the other half of the AFC championship bracket. 
I was going to say that you regarding your fan base yeah. question. I wish we could just give it to the Browns, no matter <laughs> no matter who wins it. I but. did well. I don't want to give away, but so what? I will give it away. That reminds me to self promote new NFL out for you this week at the darkest hour in uh, you know in a city filled with them in sports terms. I did a little. Uh, I did a little one for the Cleveland Browns fans, I reversed the drive. I took the drive away from John Elway in 1986 and projected out how that uh, how NFL history might look a little different. And, you know, spoiler alert, things go well for the Browns. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about it. But, yes, uh, but, they, do the, they, but do the Browns really look bad for what they're doing right now, waiting for one of the coordinators from the final four teams? It seems of, bad. It's it good for them bad. that they, they haven't pounced because of uh, anxiety of – public perception they've they've stayed the course and i like the letter that they sent out and they didn't hire jim caldwell i feel win-win i think the zimmer hire is going to work out the best real quick what does everybody think before we move to the afc eh which of these i you know it's funny because i joked on the sheck report shame report a few weeks ago when, when after black monday that it just looked like this was shaping up to be uh, you know, just retread central this year. That it was gonna, and, and it has to some degree been about that. You have Bill O'Brien in Houston now. You have Caldwell to Detroit, which I feel is terribly uninspired. Wiz and Hunt. It's interesting. I assume that's a, a, a lifestyle choice that his his family or his wife or lived in in that neck of the woods, so he likes it there. But clearly, the I think he know. got a didn't I? I read a report that he got an extra mill a year. Is that right? Tennessee. So, of course, you'd Detroit, like, you'd I mean, like that's, that lifestyle. He's ready built to make a play. I make make a run at the division in 2014. EH, what co- coach hire do you like the best so far? Well, I like O'Brien uh, in Houston the best. Uh, as far as Wisenhunt, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how the Chris Johnson deal is going to play yeah, out. Right. Because Wisenhunt did an outstanding job with the Chargers running backs this year. I mean, if you've watched a lot of their games, how good was Ryan Matthews this year? How good was Danny Woodhead this year? How good was Ronnie Brown in the playoffs this year. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what he's going to do there. But I, I wanted to just circle back. I was going to, when you asked about the fan base. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The Seahawks fan base, we think of them now, right? But the 12th man is not a recent development. I just wrote something on Bill Parcells. That year, the Giants won their first Super Bowl in 86. They went on this tremendous run. The last game they lost that year was at the Kingdom. Seahawks fans were rabid back in the I, 80s. That with ain't Dave jive. Craig. Yeah. I mean, Playing at the Kingdom was a road trip you did not want to take. It was a long flight if you're an East Coast team, and they were loud. And if I'm not mistaken, it was because of the Kingdom crowd that the NFL started instituting that penalty where when the quarterback – remember back in the 80s, the quarterback would look back at the ref and say, I can't, I can't hear, mm-hmm. and they started having to ask the crowd to quiet down. I'm pretty sure that was because of Seattle. What I remember – that place was always – and those teams were – Almost perennially lousy, but yeah, that joint was was always loud. And some of my earliest Monday night football memories are in the early days of the Seahawks when Jack Patera was their coach. Yes. He was a, he was a a zoftic guy on the sidelines, and I don't know why, but the Seahawks would get on Monday night football, but they weren't good, so I don't know why they would get uh uh get on there. They once got a pretty year. good with Chuck Knox, though. I mean, they, they, they were say, fine yeah. then. The 80s, no, they were fine. No, yeah, they, they yeah they, then they were fine. But with Jack Patera, the thing I always remember about him was when they would play it was all when they. 
were on Monday Night Football, it was always in Seattle, and he would always run a trick play with the special teams. That was yeah. his thing. And they would talk about it like, well, you know, it's Monday Night Football, so you know Jack Patera is going to run a trick play on the special teams. And they always would do it, and it always worked. I think yeah. he was like three for three, which is weird. By the third time, you think like, hey, let's just put a, a safety back like 15 yards. Nope, they would run a fake, and they would, and it would always work for him. It was like watching Sting fall for the heel turn year after year. <laughs> Are you talking about the police? Sure. Yeah? Stuart Copeland? That. You know the guys who like wrestling will I tweet know. me and be like, that was a great, the perfect I reference. I know. I, I see the tweets. I see I what know. happens here. Oh, Follow Rank, by the way, at Adam Rank and Elliot Harrison. At Harrison you know, every underscore time you do that, NFL. I forget. I don't know what it is. It's Just hard don't to remember. say it at all. Oh, it's not nice to have your Twitter things? Not when you... Butcher it and then complain about my underscore. I wasn't going to complain. I was just trying to get it. <laughs> it's at Harrison. I don't care for the NFL. All right, let's get. So to should the... I have the double wins? I'm I'm throwing this out to you. Should I have yeah. Harrison NFL? That's what you said before. But then there's that confusing. Do we type both ends? Can't you make it? The best thing is because don't wouldn't you get extra characters, which is you know which is like gold on on Twitter because 140 characters. Rank, don't you think that's confusing? If your name, if your name is, if I, if my my Twitter name is Damashek, if it was. Dave Damashek, would I lose those four characters on the rest of the tweet? Ooh, I don't know. Because if you I could go E H N A N F L, then because then I, all right, then you want it, uh, then you save the character. That doesn't work. Well, I never thought of that one. That's not I a can't, bad one. That, that's why I never tweet Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Blame true? It says too many characters already. <laughs> Our social media guru. No, once you, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't affect your 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 uh, word count or letter count. If you retweet something that has your name in it, right? Then it obviously, that's does. where it is. But I always wanted EH. Why don't you just go with Harrison NFL? But that's what I was that's just asking. Rank is that if you if the Harrison, double the double ends, do you no you no no double you go, under, you, go you go lowercase n and, uh-huh. um full uh, uppercase NFL E H N F L. That's E-H-N-F-L. the easiest one to remember. E-H-N-F-L. What do you vote? Because it's easy to remember. E H N F L. I like E H N F L. It looks like that'd be so great. Done. Actually, I will change. It. Sounds like N F L. Or it kind of sounds like eh, N F L. Do it the other way. Yeah, N F L. All right, let's talk about the A F C title game. Yes. By the way, follow N F L dot or N F L com live on Twitter because. That's the new hashtag handle of the, the show that we'll be doing. Yeah. Out oh, of yeah. Us. Wednesday through Friday, Super Bowl week uh, on Media Row. Third right. year of doing it. And, um, yeah, what is it? Noon Eastern? 9 a.m.? Noon, noon to 3. Noon, noon to, three. to 3. NFL, NFL Live, NFL.com Live, Super Bowl 48. You know, you guys. But the Twitter handle is NFL. It's no period. There's no. It's just calm line. All right, let's jump to it. AFC Mile High. All the noise goes away. Well, no, there'll be. It'll be loud in the stadium. I don't mean that, but I mean the chatter from the likes of me about this game. All the talk, like I say, Brady could go to half the Super Bowls available to him if he can get the trip this time. Peyton Manning, of course, looking to get there. I'll give my thoughts in a second. EH, give me your pick. Broncos hosting the Patriots. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I have changed my mind on this game like 10 times. But right now, I'm I'm sticking with Denver. I'm sticking with a home team. The reason I've changed my mind is I'm worried New England has been running the ball so well that I could see them just running it and running it and running it and running it and playing keep away. But right now, I like the home team because the matchup's so close. What's the first thing you should look at? Home road. All right. Interesting analysis. I will hold mine until we hear from Rank, who it is worth noting 
picked the Broncos to be watching this game on TV while the Chargers move on. Chargers at Foxborough really that came wasn't a, bad a little pick. bit closer than, than, I mean, you know, by the, at the end of the third quarter, you thought, well, this game is anticlimactic. And then the Chargers made their push. But Peyton drilled a couple of throws there on the uh, on the drive and, and salted the thing away there with uh, with the win in question. Rank, Brady v. Manning. Just say Tom Brady already, because I know where you're going. Well, I, I know. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the point. But what I do want to bring up when you talk about the Patriots running the ball so well, and Legarrette Blunt has just become like the second coming of Marion Motley all of a sudden, out there running the ball very well. And this is the type of game where everybody will will go into it talking about Blunt and whatever. He'll have four carries, and what they will do is they'll line him up and they'll look for Quinton Jammer, who is now the injury replacement for Chris Harris. And they will probably target him 60 times. Julian Edelman will have 500 receiving yards. And that's how the Patriots it's, beat him. It's, because it's, he, there, is, there is no coach. And we talk about best coaches around. There is no coach who can flip the script so much like Bill Belichick. Think about it. Last year, he, he, everybody thought he was nuts when he drafted those two tight ends, when he brought in Hernandez and Gronkowski. And last year, that team did so well. Or the last couple of years, doing so well, utilizing those two tight ends revolutionary offense the way they're running it this year loses all of those guys they signed Danny Amendola to come in he's been gone for most of the year they've been winning with Kimbrell Tompkins Dobson's been hurt Dobson uh Julian Edelman you I'll, know and I'll now, tell, let me tell you something about Julian Matthew Edelman Slater. by the way it didn't get it didn't hit my brain that Julian Edelman had 104 catches until last week. It didn't really hit. Because it, it doesn't mean the same thing. I know, anymore. but it didn't. But still, it's a remarkable thing. And I, I compared it to to cross the sports streams. I, I compared it to what that says about Tom Brady. 100-plus balls to Julian Edelman is the equivalent of, dare I say, call me a homer, but Mario Lemieux making goal scores out of absolute nobodies like he did with Warren Young. In his rookie season, a bum, a journeyman minor leaguer named Warren Young scored 40 goals on, on 66's wing. That says so much about Brady that he could do that with, with a guy like Edelman. I think it's interesting rank, like you say. And the, the the thing has become about, and we've known this for some years, but for some reason I've heard a lot of that this year, is that, boy, those Patriots really know how to take away the other team's best. That's the that's the story we keep hearing. Oh, they're not going to let – if, if T.Y. Hilton is the killer for uh, on that team, that's the one guy that you you're, can be sure is not going to kill them. I think also what they do is what Peyton Manning has always given so much credit for, which is finding the weakness and just attacking it until you stop it. And as far as that goes, I hear your noise on on Quentin Jammer. I mean, once the Chargers figured that out, maybe it's simplistic, but once the Chargers uh, figured that out, they just went at him the rest of the game, and they had no answer to it. Now, Champ Bailey may move over is, is the buzz, um, and it's not like there's great depth among the pass catchers with the Patriots. I just have a feeling, like you say, and the other thing you said, I've asked Keith Evans this, who has been around Belichick, and he you talk about a Belichick file. Heath Evans, who spent some time with the Patriots, including that almost undefeated team, boy, he loves his Belichick, and he can really tell you what where his head's at. He he'll tell you that if Legarrette Blunt was the guy pounding it last week, that's what the Broncos are getting ready for. Then Belichick's getting Shane Vereen ready to go. That's what he's going to do. Is that you talk about flip the script? Everybody in the world's ready for Logaire Blunt. Hey, here's Shane Vereen to be. You didn't account for that. That's what the the prediction is for. Is what I, that's what Heath Evans told me. 
I think the Patriots are going to do it. I think Brady, again, for what it's worth, that underdog thing, historically, when he's an underdog, the Patriots don't lose in the playoffs. So I'm inclined to go that way. And I think Von Miller's absence is going to make it so that Brady has an extra half second. And if he has an extra half second, I think that's enough for him to pick him apart. I, but I, I don't know what that either defense is going to be especially effective against uh, against these guys. Let me just say this to you. I wrote this before the Patriots played the Colts. I, obviously, Tom Brady is the big talking point. But the reason why the Patriots have won outside of Tom Brady is takeaways. They're yes. always at the top in takeaways. Over the last five years, they have 170 takeaways. It's 34 a year. Okay, They're always at or near the top of the charts. And look what happened to the Amish sex symbol last week. He threw four interceptions. You know, everyone was all over him. You know, about how great he was. And I I was saying, like, look, I would not take Andrew Luck over Phillip Rivers right now. I wouldn't. Because Phillip Rivers is not going to do anything to hurt the Chargers. He will keep them in that game. Whereas Andrew Luck will have the huge stats at the end of the game, but he might have thrown two or three interceptions the first half. I believe he had four mm-hmm. last week. Didn't he have three against the Chiefs? You cannot do that against the Patriots. So if Peyton Manning gets in one of these modes where he's frustrated, every once in a while Peyton Manning will do that. Don't that, say it. Don't say anything bad about him. No, no, no. Uh, gotcha. Don't bring New, up that interception he almost threw in the first drive against the Chargers last week. If New England gets two takeaways or more, they're winning this game. You know, it's funny because that brings it full circle to where you and I, E.H., were in August. You and I did a podcast. And to me, I, t- I said the same thing. I feel like this idea of you need this statistically dominant defense is outmoded thinking. There's clearly you can go through the last – whatever, four or five off the top of my head. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at all the teams. But if you look at the final fours involved in the last, I don't know, three seasons or five seasons, it's not like everybody there has some dominant defense. This thing of, like I said earlier, this run the ball on offense and dominate defensively, that's how you win championships. It's just not true anymore. It's It's not the case. And to that point, you know, the Steelers have been up there defensively, but it means nothing because they don't take the ball away. I think Belichick did figure that out. I've badmouthed Belichick and said, if he's such a genius and his specialty is defense, why are they never ranked in the top five anymore? They haven't been in nine years. Mm-hmm. I think he figured something out. Um, it's to the thing that you said in August. It's about playmakers now. It's not about the unit dominating necessarily so much as it is making plays and taking the ball away. That's the, you know, I say also, another thing I say is um, I feel like if a guy fell into a coma 25 years ago, a big football fan, and he woke up, the things he would notice, one, there are a lot more running QBs, one, and two, every defensive player just strips at the ball constantly they don't make they're, they're not yep. great tacklers well you know Luke Keekley accepted and a few other guys but I mean you know what they're all doing is trying to take the ball away and the Bears get a lot of credit for it but it's the Patriots who yep. even though statistically their their numbers are pedestrian if not bad you look at them and they oh yeah that's what they do they, they take the ball away all day long yeah rank you love history you, you think of like the 82 83 Redskins Everyone always thought about Riggins, Theismann, Art Monk, the Hogs. That team, they had uh, they had a their punter do the kickoffs. So because Mark Mosley couldn't get it deep, so they played field position and they had a plus forty six, plus forty six turnover diff. Mm. That's insane. That's that's the way you win. You get a kickoff, uh, a kicker that can boom it. You get a punter that can get it inside the twenty without fail. Morstead's a very good punter, for example, in New Orleans. And you get takeaways. 
You do those three things, and you rotate your defensive linemen to keep them fresh. I guess that's four things. That right there will win you a lot more ball games than leading the NFL in yards per game allowed, which is how the NFL ranks defense. Well, fellas, it's been a great conversation. Let's wrap it up with this before we hear from uh, Suggs and Roddy White on their remembrances from last year and how it will affect things. And like I say, make sure you check out at NFL.com slash Sheck because the conversation was really good. Black tie was there. It was interesting, right? The Ray Lewis. I asked I, Suggs and I got into it Don't a little bit. Don't give it away. I'm not giving say, anything can, away. I just want to tell you one thing. I just want to tell you one thing about Suggs. I asked him about the histrionics, the dancing here and there and everywhere from Ray Lewis. I said, does that matter at all, really? That's what we talked about. He suddenly just on, we'd been talking for 10, 15 minutes at that point. All of a sudden, he suddenly got suspicious. And he said, where are you from? I told him, don't worry about where I'm from. Then I told him, I told him the news. You know, I don't like jive. So I felt I had to meet him halfway. I told him where I was from. Went downhill from there. Oh, you no. know? Yeah, well, Did it really? Well, no, it went fine. But, yeah, that was, you know, we, we got into it a little bit, right? What do you think, Black Tie? Was it interesting to you? Good stuff. Let's uh, let's have the people take a listen. Oh, come on. Listen, I'm just I'm allowed to tell a story about something. I'm sure, you sure. Here's can. the last thing I want to ask because reality will erase the other options. I wrote something back in June about the best possible Final Fours that you could have. I, there were eight scenarios. And by the way, the, the thing that actually I look back at it today, the thing that is interesting is wouldn't it have been fun with a Super Bowl in New York that there are two teams that play in that same stadium? If the championship games, if the Jets and Giants had hosted those. So, two, so in title game weekend, you would have back-to-back games. What would they do? They'd have to play back-to-back games, what is there? Jets and Giants. Wonder if they would flip. Like, would one end zone be green and the other be blue? What is their contingency plan for that? Play, Play two Saturday games? and Sunday. You think so? Yeah. Why? What Which, would the field? By why? the way, I think would be. Awesome. I kind of agree, but what would be? Why wouldn't they be able to just play on the same field? What would be the difference? You'd have, but imagine. Yeah, all right, Jets fans, get out of here. We got another game, and then they'd have to like turn them over over the next ninety minutes or whatever. That'd be fascinating. And then and then play the Super Bowl two weeks later, and if it were the Jets and Giants, even better. But anyway, so I laid all these out: the different matchups, what would be most interesting, you know, in terms of storylines. What to you? Is the Super Bowl based on these uh, on these four teams? Which is the one that you most want to see here? I really do want to see the 49ers and the Patriots because I do feel the two best coaches in the NFL right now are Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, story. and this could be a kind of pass the torch type moment. And you, like you said, though, you said you could get it either way, no matter who Jim Harbaugh would beat. But this would really be a, a pass the torch moment if we went Harbaugh versus Belichick one last. Tom Brady going up against the team that didn't draft him. You know, everybody talks about the 49ers passed on uh, Aaron Rodgers. They also passed on Tom Brady because they drafted, who was it, Jim Druckenmiller? Right. Was he the guy who was drafted that year or whoever it was? So Tom Brady, another lifelong 49ers fan type of thing, getting his chance to finally get revenge on the team that yeah, I know every team passed on him, but I, the one that really sticks with By him. the way, everybody talks about that, oh, well, Brady and Manning could still do it next year. I really do think. Next year, they they add one receiver, one defensive, one one nice playmaker on defense. I think the Indianapolis Colts are kind of poised to really go one more. And the Texans are interesting, too. If they go J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney, egad. I mean, well, they don't know how much do they have to score. As long as they don't turn it over, they're going to dominate. E.H., what's your Wait, name? Wait, I did want to say it was oh. Gio Kermazi. 
was the guy that they drafted. <laughs> okay. a, quick a, point. Producer, a producer pointed it out, not the one who is, you know, supposed to be the guy. Actually, the original up. producer. I just want to add a little tidbit there. From the coach's show earlier this week, Coach Mariucci actually mentioned that. Your favorite show. Yeah, of course. Coach Mariucci mentioned that how not drafting Tom Brady is still one of his worst regrets. He wakes up every morning, says hello to his wife, and goes, I regret not drafting Tom Brady. So. We should bring that up to him when we see him in the halls yeah. now. What, uh, yeah. Why, why should I listen to you? You passed on Tom Brady for Gio Caramazzi. Yeah. You know? It's that sort of thing. Um, it's sort of like Jay Gruden. I, I don't understand why the Bengals hired him. It's, oh, he has experience, and he's not. Yeah, but he's the one guy who we know is 0-3. Shouldn't we hire, just walk up to people at random on the street and hire them? Because one thing that we do know is that Jay Gruden is not capable of doing it. So he's been ruled out now. Go anywhere but that guy, who in a way. Up, who All brought right. up the point of, like, Jay Gruden brought in tape of Andy Dalton and said, see how terrible this guy is? Ross Tucker. Yeah, yeah. That was Ross Tucker who I've, said that. I've which gone is to the a, playoffs. It's a great line. EH, which, uh, which is the most well, compelling uh, well, okay. Well, first, I, I have to say that if I were Steve Mariucci's wife, the first thing I would say is, which round? I always think that's funny. Like, I really regret drafting. Really? Do you regret it in the second round, or was it the third round? Or how about the fourth round when you passed on him? Really? How about, how about the fifth <laughs> round? Or did you pass him over in the sixth? Uh, I, I agree with Adam. Uh, San Francisco, New England. I wanted San Francisco, New England a couple years ago when San Francisco lost to the Giants on that Ahmad Bradshaw play. They called uh, that his forward progress had been stopped. Looked like he had fumbled that game. And then the Kyle Williams. Everyone remembers the Kyle Williams plays, but that Bradshaw play was huge. Mm-hmm. I wanted it back then. Yep. We didn't get it last year. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of drama because New England kind of got hammered uh, by Baltimore last year in the championship. Uh, I think that's just a great – I mean, think about it. You've got five rings. going. I, go ahead. I was going to say, don't you feel like when Tlaib went out, that was the that was the turning point of that game? Oh, man. That in the – and. You know, people have a lot of things to say about Bernard Pollard, including Steeler fans, but that hit that he laid on Stephen Ridley was just set the tone mm-hmm. for the game. And then we mentioned it earlier. Does that affect Wes Welker going forward? I, I, I suspect it does. You know, if you remember, Wes Welker dropped a couple of balls in that I'll game. I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, I, I respect Wes Welker, but I, I just don't look at Wes Welker as a difference maker football player. I think, listen, I don't, I, I, I don't want to get grim, but I just think he should have retired. I mean, he's gotten bonked. Too ma- one too many times at least. I'm just saying I, I don't know how much six yard ins and none yard outs really uh, you know affect a football game. I, I think this, by the way, let me say this. I think the game. I'm, I'm conflicted about this. Is a paradox. I think that the NFC team is going to win the Super Bowl, whichever one it is. Whoever they play, I think the NFC is going to beat the AFC. Mm. However. If I'm wrong about that, I bet you it's a blowout in the other direction. The the Broncos are much – here's the scenario. As much as I've said over the last 12 months or so, Peyton Manning struggles in January when it's cold and there's pressure and all that. I do think if he gets past Tom Brady here, there's a chance that if early in the game against Seattle he gets it going, I could see them putting 50 on that team. I could see them hanging – a big number on it, and it being like, take that world. I don't ever want to hear about you can't win in the cold or win the big game ever again. And in which case, like the late great Jerry Orbach, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, and I'll say it in this case. But well, I'll be inter- I, I, I want to see. I'll, and you know, the other thing is, I just don't think Seattle can keep up with them. I just straight up, the defense can play great. I don't think they ultimately would be able to put up enough points to to be in a game with the Broncos. But I do think. The Niners could do that. So I think that that's – I 
don't want the Niners to win, but I think that would don't make for a Seattle better match. Could, but Seattle would be able to run on Denver like nobody's. Business. I don't think they'd house them like that. And that, and Denver's been good against the run. They're, it, the, the, their defense is deficient on the back end, and I think that Tom Brady might have his way with them. But they they do stop the run. The idea that the Patriots well, and Broncos are just going to run at each other all day. I think that the I think the Broncos are much better suited to shut that down than the other way around. I think I, I've been that's one thing I've been saying for six weeks too. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna gash that Patriots team on the ground and finish them. And the last team to do that was the Broncos in Foxborough the night that they blew that huge lead. That might happen, even though I'm picking the Patriots. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they ba- if they pound them real good on the ground. I think that New England could beat Seattle. I do. I know Seattle beat them up in Seattle last year. I think it was by one point. Russell Wilson had to lead them back. But New England can run the football, and that's going to make those pa- – if they play each other, those pass rushers are going to have to think about it. They're going to have to honor it. And I just don't think you intimidate Tom Brady. And Seattle does live partially off the noise that they create. In the Super Bowl, you're not going to have that. So if Tom Brady wants to change the play at the line, he can do it. It's like we, it's like we said. It's, not, it's phony when athletes say – and there are a sect of them who will claim, I don't hear the I don't hear the noise. I don't listen to the media. I don't hear the fans. I don't hear the negativity. Yes, you do. So stop lying and saying that you don't because you absolutely, in the 21st century, you used to be a newspaper and the local news, if you could avoid those things, you don't miss it now. You hear it. Now it's a matter of does it get in your head and affect you negatively or do you use it as a positive? I don't know about Peyton Manning. I've made it clear what I think, how it affects him. But I know that Tom Brady is one of those winners who uses it as fuel. He'll play with a chip on his shoulder. Dare him, try and stack eight men in the box on him, and dare Tom Brady to beat you, you're going to lose. That's my prediction. I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're just going to concede the pass and see if Brady can get it done. I think if they do, that will be their mistake and they shall lose the game. Real quick, real quick. We had people vote on gunnafoto.com slash check, and the past Niners, which all you guys want to see apparently, is dead last. And huh. the top vote at 40% Broncos versus Seahawks. I listen, they're all good games. I, there's not mm-hmm. a bad one. I just I throw that out because it's fun to talk about because come Monday, that conversation goes away. So, All right, so now let's do it. Black tie, do you know what we're doing here? What what noise we're going to hear from Suggs and Yeah, uh, this Roddy? is uh, Roddy White and Terrell Suggs talking about uh, Tom Brady. Suggs talking about why he loves, I'm being sarcastic, why he doesn't like Tom Brady. And uh, also Roddy White talking about uh, his rivalry with Richard Sherman, who will be playing this weekend as well. All right, a little uh, sample here of our latest Inside Out. Hi and hello and welcome to Inside Out. I am joined right now on the cusp of the two title games this Sunday by two two guys who played in last year's title games, Terrell Suggs, Roddy White. What's the poop, fellas? How are we? Doing great. Good, doing good. great. Doing marvelous. Roddy White, last year you did battle in front of the 49ers game with the Seahawks, of course. And trash talker supreme these days is Richard Sherman. What does he say? What actually is he saying to you when you're uh, pitted against one another? That's, that's, the funny part is he, he talks like through hand signals and gestures. Not really too much in the game, you know, unless he makes a play, you know, and um, – other than that, he doesn't really say a lot, you know. And um, they're kind of like the, the Seahawks. Not to say anything bad about, them, but they're front runners. Like mm. when they're winning, not and to say anything <laughs> bad about them. Now, <laughs> when they're winning, everything's going good. They jump around, they yell and scream. But when they're not winning, then there's not too much of that going on. Well, that's you know? anybody, you know. But yeah. um, you know, throughout the game, 
you know, we were winning the whole game and we got up, you know, really right there, you know, it was up 17 nothing. So, you know, I didn't hear a lot out of him, you know, through the first three quarters. Well, did you throw anything back at him when you were in the lead? Yeah, I'm always talking. Oh, yeah. I said some things to him. That, like what? What, what, are the, what are these things? Suggs, you're a big talker, too. What do you say to the foes? I don't know. I don't know. It's something you gathered during the week. Uh, you know, maybe a guy got dunked on or something in high school or something. You know, you, know, you, you find something. It all depends on the guy. It definitely depends on the team because, you know, you despise more teams, some teams more than others. So. Yes, you do. You know, it, it all depends. It all depends. I love, by the way, the, how you love rivalries. You don't uh, shy from them. You love it. Your two biggest rivals, Pittsburgh and New England. What is it with you and Brady? It seems like there's legitimate animosity there. True or false? Um, true. You don't like but, them, why? But I'm, I'm, I'm getting over it. I'm getting over it. You know, I'm seeing my therapist. Uh, you know, I'm going to my classes for it. And, um, you know, it all started, like they say, one, one incident, you know, it's all NFL history, you know, just like when he was going for that undefeated year, you know, the, the, the timeout, you know, everything that went into that, the whole knee pointing, you know, the Brady rule, you know, just everything. Well, what's you know he I mean? say back when you bring that stuff up to him? I see him uh, flapping his gums all the yeah, time. You know, he gives it back. You know, um, he say some few choice words, not, you know, we can't say on air, but uh, I like it, though. Damn shake, damn shake, David, David, damn Nice fellas. Not unlike Tom Brady and, uh, and Terrell Suggs, who've developed a little respect for each other, I developed a little more respect for Terrell Suggs. That's all I'm going to say. Watch the videos, and you'll see that we kibitz a little bit about our own personal rivalry. And <laughs> what were punches thrown? Maybe, maybe not. And I'm not allowed to say anything more about it. But Elliot Harrison, dynamite stuff as usual. NFL.com, you got anything up there right now? You got your picks, of course. Yeah, the power rankings are probably still up right now, but uh, picks will be up on Thursday afternoon. All right, thanks for coming into 66. And Rank, how say you? What do you got up there? If you're into Madden 25, we've got a couple of things that we did this week. We projected a couple of the rookies where I see their ratings Opening up in 2014, and of course, we will do our Madden uh, ratings update and predictions heading into the championship weekend. All right, and we got all sorts of junk up there the Sheck Report and the NFL I mentioned, these inside outs up there, or at least one or two of those will be up there. So check all those out. I'll have my picks up there for you, but you just heard what they were. I say Patriot. So bad day for the home fans. The home fans all go home sad. The sad 47 year old man who carries probably 40 pounds too many and it painted his face for the game full of hope and optimism walks out sad and there's no sadder sight on the face of the earth than a 47 year old man coming down a little bit from his beer high that he established about four hours prior sad dreams dashed sorry i think that's how it's gonna go yes black tie you can always join the show hashtag ddfb questions comments jokes you know join in also as you said as you said earlier nfl.com live super bowl 48 that's coming up in a couple of weeks here with dave damashek adam rank molly carroll Matt Money Smith, follow at NFLcom Live and stay up to date with all the playoffs and Super Bowl news and jokes you uh, you want to hear. Black Tie brings it home. Enjoy your games, everybody. Two left this weekend, then one more Super Bowl, and then we'll worry about what's on the other side of that later. We'll talk about movies and stuff. You know, I'm looking forward to that. In fact. A lot of movies to talk about. All right, listen. Enjoy your games. We'll be back on the other side of the title games. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless.